Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game Alone's podcast and today we are very, very lucky to be joined by the amazing Elaine Bradbury. Now, Elaine actually pretty much knows everything there is to know about property. She probably would cringe at listening to this. So if you're listening back to this, Elaine, I'm very, very sorry. Um, Elaine, um, not only is she an investor, but she sources property as well. And in addition to that, she actually acts as a business consultant for estate agents to help them actually set up as estate agents. I mean, that pretty much covers every single base and it's all of those bases that we attempt to cover in today's amazing episode. So a shed load for you to get your teeth into. But as always, guys, if you really, really are enjoying this episode as you're listening to it, please make sure to take a snapshot and share it to your Instagram stories both uh, tagging myself and Elaine in it, and we'll share it about. But we just want as many people to take as much value from this episode as we possibly can. So we need your help to do that. Um, But without any further ado, let's get straight into it. Here is my interview with the awesome Elaine Bradbury. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast. And today we're we're welcoming Elaine Bradbury onto the podcast. Elaine, how are you today? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm great, thank you. How are you? Really, really good. Wherever you are in the world, it's very sunny outside. Um, out, it out is, the back yeah. There. Makes a change. Is, is, is glass windows. I'm surrounded by glass windows and it is so hot in here. It must be about 27 degrees. I'm like, oh, I'm baking. Hey, don't, don't complain. Don't complain. We're heading into winter now. So um, 27 degrees sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So, um, Elaine, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I know you're very, very busy at the moment, and we'll get into that um, a bit later on. But um, just to kick things off, can you give us a bit of an overview as to who Elaine Bradbury is and and what you do? Yes, so uh, I source properties predominantly. That's uh, my business model. So uh, I help people find properties, sometimes off-market. Strategies that I uh, source for are mostly like flips, buy-to-lets, BRRs, try and keep it dead simple. Um, I used to work with like HMOs and serviced accommodation and it got a bit complicated. I didn't like it. Too much management and then, you know, just keep it simple. Um, so yeah, that's what my business does. And I also do a bit of consulting for estate agencies across the Northwest. So hence why I'm here in the estate agency today. This is my day to help this business. So I do a little, I didn't say a bit of everything, but sourcing is um, my main business that I do. Yeah, because yeah, for anyone that's been following you recently on uh, on Instagram and online in particular, um, they'll see that obviously you've been helping out uh, an estate agent and you're, you're sitting in this this new premises so um i'm i'm really interested as, as to how that kind of um comes about and what 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 actually goes into sort of setting up a new estate agency business so so where, how did that sort of come about and what, what have you been doing to, to prep it to get it ready uh, so we do a lot of the um get the compliance and the legislative set up all done dusted um company's house bank accounts proving a bit difficult at the minute because of covid um, but my my sort of uh, area of expertise is like the marketing side of things. So uh, I started the branding, the website, and then I put together a canvassing plan. So like, you know, you might have 30 postcodes in a town and it's which postcodes you want to aim for, what the average fee should be, how many properties you should be listing and selling. And the estate agency is just like a machine. Once you get sort of everything set up, you go from A to Z. Uh, it's just the staff. And as long as you've got the right staff in there who know them systems, uh, it should be all right. But I mean, I I don't like estate agents. 
most of the time. Um, well, some of them, you know, I find a bit like, um, I don't know, it's a lot all ego, it's a lot of ego, and we do this and we do that. So um, <clears throat> if I get the chance to work with an estate agency, I always try and uh, set it up so it's really customer focused. So it's about the people who are selling and buying houses and their journey. Because um, in the side of sourcing, uh, my sourcing side of the business, a lot of ways that I find properties or come across properties are similar to what estate agents do, um, but <clears throat> they're, they're normally driven by um, different circumstances, so like death, divorce, debt, those type of things. So um, it's not as um, happy or as fun as estate agency. It's a little bit more serious on the sourcing side. But I really like it because I know it works. I mean, I've done... 18 estate agencies have started from cold start now so I, I just I really enjoy it I love like valuing properties and winning business and I don't know Do you know what what you just said there I just think it's such a relevant thing and it's, it's not about estate agents it's not about property businesses it's just about business in general it's it's if you can um find a process that works I call it like the McDonald's model um yeah and it's what I talk about I'm talking about that quite a lot at the moment especially with with my team um is trying to basically create a company that um, a child could could run effectively, just putting processes in place that are simple and easy to understand and are very focused on a particular part of, the, of that of that system. Um, and the people often take the, the piss out of McDonald's and say, oh, you know, it's just run by a bunch of kids. If someone says to me that business is run by a bunch of kids, I think, Jesus, what an awesome business that is, that they can just hire people that are, you know, straight out of uni or straight out of school to, to, to effectively run it because it's such a well-oiled machine. And that's, I guess, that's machine, kind of yes. what you're putting together with these estate agency businesses, right? Yeah, it's all about structure and about, you know, knowing the market and doing the right thing for the market and being consistent as well. I think um, some of the things that we do, a traditional estate agency, like direct marketing letters and stuff like that, um, a lot of the stuff that we do is digital. And then as well, it's about people. So getting in there, getting involved in the community, sponsoring, uh, you know, local Christmas fates and stuff like that, and making sure you, you're being sort of, you know, uh, you've got your feet on the ground with the people as well really um sometimes that side of it can be sort of uh, left behind but it depends on who i'm working with the, the estate agency client that i'm working with what they uh, kind of want to do but um you know it's very much systems and people if you get the two right it, it works really well Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and um, we, we were talking off air that obviously I, I'm speaking to somebody at the moment that's looking to do exactly the same. Um, and I think one of their one of their issues is that they they keep they, they keep seem kind of putting back the start date. And I think I suppose having someone like yourself involved as kind of like a consultant, you're there as almost like an accountability partner as well, right? You're kind of like driving them yeah. forward, saying, "Come on, let, let's get on with this. Let's get it done." Yeah, so I'd, no, I'd, I'd normally draw up an eight-week or 12-week programme. It's like a to-do list. There's things that I need to work on and the business owner needs to work on. And every week we sit down and say, what have you done? I've done this, you've done that. And I mean, sometimes we we can be a little bit behind here. We're a little bit behind with a few things like I've been out and valued a property today because um, all the advertising, everything's up. So I've had a few uh, calls come in for properties. Uh, but I haven't got a camera and I haven't got a measurer and I'm like oh I'm running around now like tomorrow I'll, I'll be trying I'll be trying to scavenge any camera I can get to get this property <laughs> listed and um, but sometimes 
<laughs> really kick up the bum and say like, look, you've got me for eight weeks, use me. Let, let's make sure that we're done and dusted and, and everything's up and running. Yeah, do you know, I love that because for me, I've, I've always kind of adhered to the, the kind of the Richard Branson uh, mentality, which is if someone's asked you if you can do something, say yes and then figure it out. And then yeah. and I guess that's kind of what you're doing. It's just, you, you just sort of, just trying by hook or by crook to to get you know do what you need to do get it done um figure it out along the way um it's all about taking action and the thing is i think as well is um if other businesses that are listening to this thinking you know i probably need a bit of a kick up the arse and i need to do this as well just going out and getting stuff done if you need to you know i speak to pro new property investors all the time i spoke to a property investor this morning and they were asking me they said you know i haven't bought anything yet what should i do I'm like Get on the phone and speak to estate agents and letting agents. Just buy something. Just buy something. Yeah. It'll be just all right. all, all, even all even right. if it's even if it's research of an area, get on the phone to a lettings yeah. agent. If you're going to let, if you, if your idea is that you want to let property, you know what area you want to invest in. Call all the letting agents in the area and ask them what they want, and then yeah. ask and then what yeah. they ask them to give you the details of the person in their sales team and say right, you know. John in the, in the lettings team has, has said that you need three bedroom terraced houses. Um, so they need three bedroom terraced houses on these roads. Have you got any for sale? Because I want to buy, buy them. Pretty simple, isn't it? But it's taking yeah. action and that, that sometimes gets in the way. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of procrastination in property and nothing as well. There's so many free resources and stuff like that. Lots of people get caught up in um, in the videos and the listening and the learning and then just get hit a hit a wall, like, you know, hit a, a plateau, a stalemate. And it's kind of like, I'm here to kind of, you know, I try and kick things into action because I only get paid when things start working. So I want things to start working as soon as possible. <laughs> you, you and me both, you and me both. I, you know, I talk to my clients all the time and, and I, I say to them, you know, um, they not, not I get like questions of, um, am I doing the right job for them or, or whatever? But they seem amazed when I sort of say to them, you do realize like, yeah, I charge a little fee up front, um, you know, when we apply for a mortgage, like many, many brokers do or, or whatever finance it is. But that's, that doesn't pay my bills, you know, that that's just there as a little, you know, just cover the, cover the initial costs. Unless it actually completes, we don't earn very much money at all. And so, you know, we're we're vested into this as much as anyone. And so it's 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 that mindset. I'm glad that you um you, you share that with me and you can you can understand that because it seems yeah. to me that people are crazy that they're like, oh yeah, so you don't get paid until it's actually done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how it is. I know, and it's it's um <clears throat> it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I always think I try and help people along and then I always, and, and if they don't go for it and they don't complete on the property or they don't take the deal, I'm always a little bit sad. I always feel like, oh, you know, what what kind of, <clears throat> what stopped you from going for it? What stopped you from taking it? Because you know as well as me, a lot of uh, groundwork goes into getting, you know, people don't contact me and say, listen, I've got 800 grand and I want to buy 10 houses. You know, it's the people who are, who are interested in it and but they don't know where to start. So, you know, some of my clients, I've got a lady I'm working with on the sourcing side called Stephanie, um, and she's she's an older lady and she's one of my favourite clients. Uh, and I've been working with her for nearly two years now. And at, two, at this two-year time point, we might actually buy something. I'm like, hooray! <laughs> but I have, I have sold properties for her in the past and stuff like that. But, you know, it's about it's about um, kind of getting people to take action, obviously, when they're ready as well. But if they're mindset and they're committed, then, yeah, I'm the feet on the ground. You'll do quite a lot of the hard work for them, really. 
And it's, it's that word, isn't it? Leverage. Um, you know, people like like Stephanie or, you know, um, some of, some of my, my clients, a lot of these people, you know what, they number one, they probably could, if they really put the time and effort into it, learn what you and I do for a living and, and actually implement it and do it themselves. But that would take them a long time. And it, and it would also, once they actually start, it takes up a lot of their day-to-day time. So for me, it's all, I've always been a great fan of, of good property sources because I think it takes one of the most time-consuming aspects of being an investor off off the, off the table um, and yeah, yeah. You, obviously I'm sure that you, you tell your clients that they need to do their own due diligence too um, but you can help them them do that and they're, they're leveraging your years of experience uh, of doing that and I find it so strange sometimes that investors you know I, I think of property as a business like any other um, and if you're just a, a property investor and you do everything yourself you're just a self-employed person what you really need to be doing is setting up as we were saying before a system and a process to create a business and to do that you need other people and you need to leverage their expertise and yeah. their time don't you yeah and i certainly use other people in my business i mean i'm i don't do any of the refurbishments on my own property projects myself um a lot of like the the area investment guides that i've worked on um that are on the website um you know i've wrote them but i've actually um, spoken it into and recorded it and sent it over and you know i've got a, a girl who helps me out who types it up puts it into brochure format i choose pictures so it's like you know it, it's just about where you want to spend your time and effort really but i outsource a lot of my um a lot of the things that i do in my business to other people who have got expertise in that area so that i can focus on the things that are important to me absolutely so, i might have to get uh, i might have to get the details of that that person off you because we're, we're we're looking at the moment funnily enough of uh of pulling together some guides for for various different types of, of finance stuff and, and as you say that kind of stuff is, is time consuming but it's not necessarily you know me putting time into creating the 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 subject matter is really really important because yeah. that's where the knowledge is but actually the the putting together of it i mean i am um, on my youtube channel i've got like a a little intro that i that i have and i am so i i wish i could i really wish i could i am so bad at editing things especially video i'm starting to get there with with, with sort of uh, pictures and that sort of stuff but edit i've got no i've no idea where to start um, and for the sake of, you know, I, I paid a guy in Italy seven US dollars to do it for me. And I yeah. thought, what, what a great use of cash. What an amazing use of money. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm a great fan. <coughs> Sorry. So I use like people per hour, uh, Fiverr, all those types of things to just kind of, you know, as well as um, the girl I work with, uh, Rebecca in marketing, who helps me put the complicated stuff together. Um, I didn't used to at the start, say two years ago when I first started, I wasn't doing that. But obviously now, um, especially with other projects that I've got going on, I'm like, yeah, yeah, can't do that. Can't do it all yourself. Elaine. I think it's I think it's money well spent because the you have to. Th- I always think that you look at it as a you know what what job what job is worth your time you know what if you think about what your own worth is on an hourly basis any task that you could have you could get somebody else to do either better than you could do it or for yeah. less money that you yeah. are, are worth on your in terms of your hourly yeah. in, um, rate um you, you you should do it sometimes it's just about finding those people and, and i think people are put off by either not knowing where to find those people or um worried about putting time into having to train those people on doing these tasks but it's a one-off you know you you tell them what to do once and generally these people are pretty good at just getting on and doing it then yeah 
I'm hoping sort of maybe uh, in towards the first quarter of next year that I'll be in a position where I can take on some staff, uh, me and myself in my, in my sourcing business. Uh, it's one of them that I'm umming and ahhing about because um, it's really difficult to, I don't know, I try to like say, well, you know, if somebody rings me up about a property and say, I want to sell, um, and I'm like, right, they can give me a postcode or a street or an area. And in my mind, I'm like, three bed, semi Burkdale Road, Bury, right, bang, I know like what it's worth and the prices that they're telling me they want on the phone. I'm like, yeah, this would be a good deal. Like, you know, within a like 15 minute conversation, I can have it nailed, but whether I can get, the team that somebody working with me trained up to that standard or i don't know i'm thinking would they be bored like they, will, they might end up sending out letters all day or you know that type of thing i'm kind of like thinking well if if i'm going to be really busy and if i, I want to be busier uh, and i want to level my business up there's going to come a crunch point where i'm going to have to do that um i'm going to have to take on some help so i'm like question on that because um obviously at the moment we're hearing a lot about how you know the the just just business is going to change because people are going to want to work from home more and you know the office sector for example is going to undergo massive changes of you know styles of offices and hot desking and all this kind of stuff when you're thinking about this um it, this has obviously just popped up. I didn't know that you were looking at taking on staff at some point, but um, when you when you come to do that, would you reckon um, what's going on will influence you a little bit more? Or do you still like the idea of having like an office where they come in in the morning and you will have a coffee together and chat about what happened at the weekend or what yeah. happened on Love Island or you know, whatever? <laughs> No, that's that's probably one of the reasons I, why I thought I've got to work for myself. I mean, um, in my in my employment history, I was pretty lucky. I worked my way up to a director position in a state agency, and um, I was, you know, reporting uh, to the other directors in the company. And I didn't have to be in an office for nine o'clock, and I didn't have to, you know, leave at a certain time and take a lunch hour and stuff like that. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. And I, um, when you're running a team of people as well, I really think you've got to, I mean, if it's a branch, it's got to be open at a certain time and the phones have got to be answered. But, you know, certain people, you should give them the flexibility to work from home some days. You know, I'm, I'm a mum myself. And if I, you know, you want to see your kids first day at school, you want to go to the nativity, you know, sometimes you need to work from home if they're not well or they need to go to the dentist or, you know, to me, like, the, we used to say, listen, if we have a big night on a Thursday where we do a big networking event, don't come in on Friday till 11. Give yourselves a couple of hours, you know, because you, you 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 build that rapport and you win that respect with your staff and, and they've worked really hard for you um, yeah. if you can if you can find yeah. the balance. So for me, I don't want an office. I don't need an office. I can, you know, I, I know enough people with offices. If I want to work from an office, I can do. Um and in terms of staff, I, I don't, I, you know, I give, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. Look, you've got five tasks a week. Do your five tasks whenever you want. If you do it on a Friday night, <laughs> all, all bit, you know what I mean? Whatever, you want to go shopping in Zara on Tuesday, it's all right, as long as the job's done. Not even fussy, just as long as it's done. But cause, because yeah. I'm like that, I think. Do you know what you, um, what you just said there? It's, um, 
it's funny because number one, um, so we have we we have our first member of staff now. Me and my business partner brought on an operations manager about two months ago now. And she's I mean she's absolutely amazing. Um, she's just so yeah. proactive all the time. It's just she. she it's funny because so me, me and my business partner going off on a slight tangent here, but me and my business partner are so different here. So. If she yeah. says to him, his name's Engin, she goes, Engin, you know, um, oh, you um, don't forget you've got this call coming up with a client uh, in five minutes. And he'll go, yeah, I know, Ruby, stop telling me what to do. Whereas if she tells me that, I'm like, thank God you told me. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and she constantly tells me, like, she'll, she'll send me a text message. Oh, did, uh, um, don't forget to respond to that client's email before yeah. the end of the day today, because you said you would. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, but she's reminding me because she knows yeah you know she wants to give me time to be able to fit that into my day and i, and I absolutely I, I mean i, I absolutely yeah. love that but um the case that I, the, the point i was trying to make was that she's actually like we're, obviously we're, we're about to go into lockdown uh, we're recording this on the 4th of, of november um so we're literally just about to go into lockdown two as we're calling it the sequel um and um she's devastated that she has to work from home for a month. She loves coming into the office. Um, she loves coming in every day. She's always in a bit early. She always stays like half an hour late. Um, I've told her, you know, look, we can't afford to pay you overtime at the moment, Rubes. We're, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, uh, we're a new company. Um, but she does it anyway, because she absolutely is bought into what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, but I think, you know, on the flip side of, of that, what you said in terms of, really looking after your staff i can't remember who it was and it's going to annoy me now because i won't be able to think of it but um i read or, or saw something recently and somebody said um you're, you, as a business owner you work for your staff as much as your staff work for you it's your responsibility to make sure that they live a good comfortable life they're yeah. they're, they're constantly um being you know, being driven forward and and you know they've, they've got something to work towards yeah. and they're inspired and interested and engaged um, and, and it's your responsibility to make sure that they do that and they're a success at it um, as much as it is for them to work hard for you to help the business thrive. Um, and I love that. And it's only uh, my business partner has only just sort of come on board with that that idea. But I put that to him many, many, many months ago. Um, and it sounds as though you're exactly the same. And, and it's things like that. Yeah, you know what? If we've had a heavy, heavy night at a networking event on a Thursday, let's, let's start work a little bit late on a Friday. That's how it should be. You know, it's, it shouldn't all just be about you know, hustle, hustle, you know, grind, grind all the time. Yeah. I think if you've got a team, if you can find out what motivates them, you know, whether it be money or time or what their life goals are, where do they want to be? If you can help them, some some of, uh, some of people want extra training and education. They want to get qualifications. Other people are interested in earning more money and commission. Some people like the flexibility. You know, other people want uh, the recognition uh, and the pride, um, you know, of, of working uh, for you. But I always think, actually, I remember when, you know, I when I first got into property, uh, you know, I was a, I was a junior. I was only just 21. You know, I used to my job was to print off brochures and put them in the window and make people cup of tea. Um, but if I always think that if there's a really inclusive feel to a, a business and, and employment and stuff like that, you'll you'll go really far. And I think as well for me, if I hadn't have been like that when I was managing my teams um, 
in my previous career, I don't think I would be where I am today because all of those people who have uh, who I've worked with in my team have all helped me set up my business now. They still help me today. You know, the old FD from where I used to work, uh, you know, he's checking uh, stuff in uh, forms in Excel sheets for me. You know, the, the amount of people that I met over my um, career are all still very present um in 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 today in my business it's like it's really good and that only comes from treating them with respect and you know and and you know giving them a, a bit of a human touch rather than you know fair are nine o'clock type thing yeah. it's funny actually because um ruby was actually late one one day um a few weeks ago um and she didn't you know she didn't actually call or text or anything she was only, only like 10 minutes or something and i remember when she came in uh, i was i was down in the london office and i was on the phone to my wife at the time um and because i was it was a private call i, I walked out of the office and just went down the hallway and i said i said to emily my wife when our oh, ruby's just turned up she's 10 minutes late um i think i need to nip that in the bud and she said to me uh, bearing in mind you know my, my wife's not a business owner or anything like that she's just you know a switched on clever person and she just she went um sam that girl works so hard for you don't have a go about being 10 minutes late um and i was like yeah, yeah okay fair enough and i didn't didn't say anything hasn't happened again since so it was just yeah. it was just a one-off outside of her control you know nothing nothing that she can do so yeah absolutely right look look after your staff i think is a is a really good um really good mantra but Again, you know, you mentioned about, you know, being quite flexible and things like that. So what, what's your what's your office kind of situation going to be? Are you will you will you have a, a place or will everyone just work from home, do you think, to start with? No, we'll just work from home. I mean, um, we just in terms of the estate agency, there's only myself and the owner who are kind of getting things set up. So we'll just work from home, bobbing when we need to, you know, that type of thing. Um, just sort of be flexible, really. I mean, I can work from home, but I, I don't know. There's, I could work from home and maybe do a couple of days admin from home, but the time I'm on the road, I'm viewing properties, I'm checking out, you know, the projects that have got underway, I'm looking at works, I'm meeting with builders. So it's kind of like work wherever the work is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I wanted to sort of, I mean, I, I've really, I, that's what I, I like talking to business business owners, because I, I just like finding out about how they do things. Um, but obviously, I do want to talk to you a bit about property related stuff as well. And right at the top end of this, um, you talked about in terms of your sourcing, um, you, although you keep it simple, you do cover a few different bases, you know, flips, um, rentals, BRR, that that sort of stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm always interested to know, because I, I truly believe that good investors should be able to do uh, a bit of both, um, a bit of flipping, a bit of BRR, you know, one yeah. works in conjunction with another. Um, but when you're sourcing a deal, what what to you makes it go, right, this deal's a flip. It's not a BRR, this is a flip. Is there, is there, are there, are there certain things that will, that will make a deal look like one over another? Uh, yeah, I mean, I try and, um, I try and source properties that have got different exit options as well. So especially at the moment, given the marketplace. So I might see a property um, that's a potential for a flip. Um, but actually, when I look at it, it might get really good uh, rent in that area. So I'd be like, actually, the market is changing at the minute. Or, you know, I mean, when we first went into lockdown, um, I think it was April, the property that I'd last saw then uh, was, was ideally was going to be a flip. It was a straightforward. It makes 30 grand. We'll just flip it back on the market. But I think because 
back then when we first went into lockdown so much was unknown they hadn't made any announcements about stamp duty or anything like that so we actually decided we'd buy it and then rent it out um, so you know with the potential um to sell it on later uh, which we will do so it's <clears throat> there's not sometimes one property screams out to me flip but because um because I was going to say I'm a bit greedy, not a bit greedy, but uh, I always think, actually, if you hold it and you put a tenant in there, your tenant will pay down your mortgage, your equity should go up. So maybe instead of taking, you know, your you, you bang, your big 30 grand now and flipping it back on the market, if you've kept it for five years, you could make 70. So, you know, what makes financial sense? And um, I will always give a couple of options with a property, but it's whatever the, whatever my client wants to do with it, really. Um, some like to flip, some like to keep hold of them, some like to do both. So, I, you know, whatever. I, li I like them both, to be honest. And I, there's not, I never look at one and think, yeah, this would be good for that. I always think, ooh, you know. I suppose that's a healthy thing to do as well, because from, from my perspective, in, in terms of a lot of the time when people are looking at flips or, or buy refurbished refinance, we, uh, we, we buy or we help them arrange bridging finance to purchase the, the property because you can't really use mortgages for those kinds of things. Um, and bridging lenders like to see, yeah, OK, our plan A for an exit of this bridge is to sell the property, but they also want to see what the plan B is going to be as well. Yeah. So even if you're looking to sell, you still want to make sure that actually a mortgage can work. And this is where sometimes we have issues, um, not issues, but like conversations, you know, difficult conversations with clients where they're adamant that, oh, well, I can't get a mortgage. So, you know, I'll just flip it. Yeah. And like, yeah, but is the fact that you can't get a mortgage really going to potentially kill off yeah. this deal? Because if you can't sell it, then what happens? You're going to be stuck on this bridge. Um, and, you know, who knows when a dip in the market might come. So you've got to have those options, haven't you? So that's quite a good way of looking at it. Yeah, 100%. Everything that I package up, I kind of look at all the different options and put it to the investor and say, <clears throat> listen, you could do A, B or C with this one. <coughs> and, um, <clears throat> sorry, Sam. I'm always also, I know they're looking at bridging finance and they want to purchase something through bridging finance. I try and find the property and the situation that would suit that for them uh, so that I can build up all the comparables. I can make sure, look, the builder's got a history in working with these type of projects, put case studies in, put rentals in, you know, get all the comparables and everything. So I can build a project, um, I'd like build an option for refinance on a BRR um, before I sort of put the package um, to the client. So, you know, it's about collecting as, as much information and giving them as many options as I can, really. So Yeah, more the more exit options, the better, certainly. I, um, I, I do things in a similar way to that insofar as, um, I mean, currently, touch wood, currently, um, I've got, and my business partner has also got a 100% record of getting our clients out of bridges that we've we've put them into. And I don't plan on changing that record anytime soon. Um, bearing in mind, I've been doing this for 13 years, so it's quite, quite a lot of bridges yeah. I've done in that time. Um, but it, do you know what it is? It's really simple. It's because we nail down the exit strategy first. We actually work backwards. Yeah. Start start yeah. with the with with how the refinance will work. Even if they're going to sell it, we'll still look at wh whether the refinance yeah. will work. Because for us, whether they can get a certain mortgage or not is going to depend on do they hit yeah. minimum income requirements? Do they hit um, you know are they a, an experienced investor and does a lender yeah. need that? Um, especially if it's HMO, so that in, in their experience is going to be important or. You know what's the rent going to be if, if the yield isn't particularly great 
then it might not actually fit within yeah. um, so standard lenders rental criteria. in which case we need maybe some kind of specialist lender that can be a little bit more flexible and those kind of stuff. So you've got to look at that stuff first. And I think that's a massive, massive thing for new investors. They don't necessarily think about that. They're always looking at the acquisition and they're not looking at the next the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I talk, I, I call it that thinking like a snooker player. Snooker players, they're not, they're not, they're not just putting that red, they're putting that red, then they're putting that black, then they're putting the next red, then they're putting that green, and that's going to bring them down to put another red. They're thinking about all of those things in yeah. advance. And I think in property investors need to be just like snooker players, and they need to think, yeah. you know, two, three steps ahead and how they're going to, you know, work work themselves out. So um, yeah, it's it like a game of chess, chess in it. You've got to line everything up so it's just one hundred percent right, and then make a move and make a move and make a move. And it's like, yeah, it's not overnight, is it? It's not overnight at all. It takes it takes a while and a bit of juggling and skill, definitely. Mm. Have you um have you ever had one of these situations? Because I get this all the time, where um somebody might contact me and they'll say, um, you know, Sam, I've got thirty thousand or forty thousand pounds, and I want to I, I want to build a, a portfolio. I want to get into doing you know BRR and that sort of stuff. So yeah. um you know, can we talk about a, a deal that I found? And my first thought on that is, no matter where you're buying in the country, thirty or forty grand that might be enough for you to do your first deal. But again, thinking about this snooker player or chess player mentality, they're not thinking about deal number two and, and buying one property, you know, unless you've got enough money to like, I don't know, buy the Ritz or something, that one property is probably not going to be a life-changing scenario for you. It's got, it's going to be, um, you know, the second, third, fourth, 10th, yeah. 20th property. Yeah. And you've, you've got to be able to get there. So do you get a lot of those inquiries as well where people just, that you know, you, you're thinking actually you don't quite have enough working startup capital to build a portfolio. So that's when maybe they might be looking at flips to, to kick off to grow that, that, that amount. Yeah, that capital. Uh, it's really funny you should say that because I think uh, a lot of um, the industry kind of pushes out that you only need a little bit to get started and stuff like that. So I think sometimes, yeah, they don't one property is all right but you're gonna to have to sit on that for a while so it might be at that price point it might be you know a little while before you're at property two and property three and you're probably not going to feel the benefit of it until you're three or four properties down the line um usually what uh <clears throat> what i would say to people is that that entry entry level into market is where lots of people start off so you've got a lot of competition over properties you've got a lot of competition over rents you know and, and you end up buying not a great house at that price i'm going to be honest with you not a fantastic house your demographic for tenant is not going to be fantastic because of the house price and where the area is and stuff like that so i always say listen if you need to go back to the drawing board save a little bit more money come back in 12 months because if you've got a tiny little bit more you, you're not you're in a different level you're not competing with everybody else who's at that baseline who's got the same idea as you you've got a bit more to go at so maybe instead of doing one and sitting on it for 12 months two years you could do two and then you know but just wait take yourself you know a little bit of time to spend uh, I call them shit bricks and I don't like dealing in shit bricks especially <laughs> investors because it is so complicated so much more complicated than it is if you just jump up a little bit more um so you, you know it depends it's about whatever people selling it people sell this the, the dream that you can put it in recycle it take it out do it again do it again do it again i know you can i know you can but you know at certain levels and you you've got to get it right do you know there was um i was talking to somebody recently and they were saying that um that they were they were after um 
some they wanted me to maybe recommend a, like a property mentor um for them because they'd said they'd been searching for about six months and they'd been to see and they'd done some zoom calls with with a couple of people um over that time and what they found was that a lot of these people out there that are these property mentors um are actually they're they're rich people you know they've they've done they've they walk the walk and talk they talk talk walk the walk but they've done it a little while ago and so they're out there telling everyone that there's these you know money in money out deals where you, you invest 50 grand you get you refinance it down the line you get 60 back and you know you can then move on these deals don't really exist in the market um, anymore yes they're going to be out there but they're going to be more sort of diamonds that you see every now and again yeah. rather than the you know the, the norm and so unfortunately i think yeah you're right there's people out there that are teaching these things but it's not necessarily actually the market right now so if anyone's actually looking for somebody to, to teach them these kind of things they're probably better off trying to find somebody that's actually an investor right this very minute and they're actually doing these deals on a, on a day-to-day basis isn't that right yeah, 100%. I mean, the best returns I get for property um, are when you put a bit more in. So I cover sort of Greater Manchester, the towns uh, sort of around there. And at the moment for me, sort of Swinton, Ecclesbury, Wigan, all around there. Um, you know, if your your purchase point is about 130 to 170, you can get a lot more, it, you can recycle a lot more out of it than you can if you're going in at a 60, 70 grand house. Um, obviously, you've got to have more capital uh, to put down in the first place to do that. Um, so it's just, it's just understanding that the market is constantly changing. And there's a different strategy for different markets. And it's kind of like trying to just weigh up what is the best thing to do. It may be that if somebody's got that money and, and they want to do a BRR, they might just get a buy to let. If they, if they really, you know, sometimes people have this idea that they really want to do it and they just want to buy that house and they just want to buy it no matter what. And that's it. They just want to bloody buy the house. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> no, buy the house, take it. But... Um, yeah, I always think just learn off other people who are doing it, learn off people who've got relevant experience in your marketplace right now. So, you know, I, I'm all for training and, and that type of thing and mentoring, but um, so many, you know, networking groups, you can learn stuff from other people, they'll share their experience with you and stuff like that. You know, if, if, rather than paying for somebody to kind of coach you monthly, it's, you know, it's an yeah. area, isn't it? Um, I haven't I haven't delved into it much myself because obviously my my experience and my background is all really practical. Like I've just been and done it, and then I'm coming out and I'm thinking, what you're charging somebody like you know seven grand to tell them how to do it? It's kind of like oh, that's really. <laughs> but, but you but your expertise is so is so valuable. Um, I always use the analogy. Have you ever seen the film? Um, uh, catch me if you can with yeah, uh, yeah, Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio. Yeah. There's a there's a bit in the film where he um, well he's, he's he's talking to the FBI agent that's caught him, and there's one bit where he imitates a, a lecturer at I think like Harvard University for like a yeah. whole semester, and he says to him like how how did you do that? And he said all I did was um, the bit that they needed to learn in the next lesson. I just read the night before, so. I think you know there's there's people out there that um, that can be considered experts because isn't they don't need necessarily need to be done it for seven or eight years or whatever and sometimes actually these people are are, are they're worse than having somebody that has been doing it for one year 
because the person yeah. that's been doing it for one year is is in your shoes is talking is doing yeah. it right now and they are literally one step ahead of you and they're the people that actually are going to be the best people to to help um and i think that's why um you know i love what i do so much because um i have to because of the, what, what i do i have to be up to date with the market all the time yes and so you know when i have a conversation with a client on a monday literally the information that i give them could be different if i had the same conversation with them on, on a friday um yeah. because something might have changed in the market and you just need to be that one step ahead of them in order to to give them give them the right advice so i think that's really key is just is if you are finding people to, to learn off of you need to really find the right people um to learn off of because there's a lot of these fake gurus out there that are, that are giving advice that's probably 10 years old um I mean, if I was giving advice that was 10 years old, I mean, maybe, maybe slightly longer than that, but um, I'd be able to tell people, yeah, yeah, you want to get a mortgage. Yeah, all you need to do is sign your name on the bottom of this form. And then like 20 minutes later, you'll have a mortgage. Doesn't work like that anymore, unfortunately. But there are people out there that still believe that that's how you can get a mortgage and you just, you, you can't. So up-to-date information is so vital. But we live in such a, like an instant, like society so like instant gratification, like, you know, I want this, I click the button, it comes now, I want this to do this now, it's like, and then when other people are like feeding into that machine of saying, yeah, you can do no money down, you can do, you know, tw 10 houses in 12 months and all this, and, you know, it's just like, I just think, oh, crikey, just let's, let's, let's slow down a bit, let's chill out a bit, you know, I was, I don't, I mean, me, I don't work fast. I'm slow. I do not work fast. You know, it's taken me a long time to, to set up my business and buy properties and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm quite cautious uh, in some respects. So, you know, I'm always like, if it don't feel right, don't do it. <laughs> gut is it your gut is very very important i think that there's a there's a good lesson to be learned there which is just the art of patience um that yeah. yeah instant gratification is great and and being patient is not the same as not taking action take action mm -hmm. where, where where there's action to be taken and when there's opportunity arises you know um move on it but at the same time you know realize that rome wasn't built in a day and um and it does take time i mean how, how long have you been in um actually working in in property for yourself not in terms of like when you were working for agents previously but when did you actually kick things uh, off so i i bought my first house myself about seven years ago so you know quite a long time and i've been yeah. sourcing <laughs> for the last sort of uh, two and a half years so exactly so you know to get to where you are now which is that i'm sure there's lots of people that follow you on on online that will be like oh you know i, I want to be just like um elaine but how am i gonna how am i gonna do that i want to do you know i want to do this now well they need to see behind the curtain it's taken you seven years to get to where you are right now so yeah. chances are i mean maybe they might be able to do it quicker because they might reach out to you and you can give them advice to stop them from maybe making some of the mistakes that you might have made over the years but even so this isn't like uh you know it's gonna your life's gonna change in a few months time it takes time property's a long game it is a long game and I think for me certain things like drive it as well so certain things are really different so I think if I had come to it you know seven or eight years ago with the mentality that I wanted 10 in a year I'm sure I, I would have been able to do that but that wasn't my desire was always work a bit on my career you know I, I want to have a family um, you know I want to have a property abroad um, so I want to be able to be working towards that because I want somewhere to retire to um, quality of life was really important so it wasn't necessarily about replacing my income and leaving my nine to five job because I was always like well 
I don't want to not work, you know what I mean? I was like, I want to be able to uh, start my own business, so let's do something along those lines. It's kind of like, um, you know, everybody's um, journey is really different. So some people could, you know, buy 10 houses and, and quit the nine to five, but other people want to do different things. And I think for me, it was um, like more just giving me freedom and creative freedom to, you know, set up my own business and, buy the kind of properties that I wanted to buy, you know, that stacked up nicely on the numbers, but actually were really nice, good homes, you know, something that I want my mum to move into, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, a lot of it for me is about um, making sure it fits in line with your life, not not just this this model, but, you know, it takes time and it's all right for you. And sometimes you might take a break from buying and you might take a break from property and stuff and you might do something else. And I was thinking about selling rugs. I've got this really good idea, Sam, about selling rugs. And when I finish my property in a few years... <laughs> selling rugs? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you watch this space. What, like, like, a, like uh, in my head, I've got you, because I drove past one the other day, like one of these warehouses with just like loads of rolls of carpet in it. Is that is is that is that you? Oh, not quite. So like, you know, uh, like rugs, like, yeah, like carpets, but rugs. See, I think I'm a big fan of like of bargains. I go a lot on like, you know, online auctions, but not eBay, like, like police auctions and stuff like that. There's loads of auction houses around. Uh, and it like no, there's got loads of rugs. People just tend to throw them out and just want to get rid of them, and they're selling them for like three quid. And then I think, do you know what? If I tart it up, and there's this woman doing really well on Instagram with like you know like uh, vintage rugs, she's selling them for like seven hundred quid a pot. And I was thinking, when I move to France, right? When I finish with my property stuff, I can I can I can set up a really good site and have a really nice little shop, you know, like a workshop in the back of um, in the back of their property. Uh, and I can hang up all these beautiful vintage rugs. And I only need to sell one rug a month, and you know, I'd be, I'd be happy. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I've heard some some dreams in my time. I always ask my clients, like, what's the end goal? N never ever has anyone said rugs. That's oh. that that's the end game for me. Rugs. When I can get into rugs, <laughs> I know that I've made it. Maybe not, because I was thinking that I could do like because I love gardening as well. So I was thinking I could breed chickens. I could sell my veg on the market. Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really decided yet. But when I was little, I wanted to get, um, you know, like the electric milk floats. And I wanted to convert one of those into a, into a mobile home and just travel around. Uh, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get very far. Market, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, was, I was going to ask you, when you, when you said about the, um, the, the moving board, I was going to say, where, where is that? So I'm presuming south of France, not sort of Normandy. No, sort of northwest France. So uh, Limoges okay. is an area that I really like. Originally, my dad is a French-Canadian of descent. Um, and uh, we've, I have a few friends out there, so I holiday out there a lot. It's very green. The weather is similar to the UK, but you get a few more sunny days. Um, there's, the community is really nice around Limoges. Um, I've visited, well, hundreds of times over the years. Uh, and there's a lot of like alternative therapies, a lot of like uh, retreats, yoga retreats. Um, a lot of like crystal healing so now me I'm a bit of a geek I love anything like that I'm like yeah yeah you know what I mean don't know anything about it but I'm like yeah sounds really that'll good. help me yeah I love it 
and I, I we went when we went last year we did a bit of yoga we both fell asleep but we had we were dead relaxed we had a great time oh god I've, I've only ever done yoga once in my entire life and I was pretty close to falling asleep I, I, I won't lie towards the end during the middle of it I was in agony because you know I'm, I'm I'm an old man now so you know having to put myself into weird positions is not not what this body is made for anymore um but um yeah I remember it being really hard but I do remember at the end being like so maybe because I was just so knackered that's probably why yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just think that's that's the that's the end goal is just to become an old hippie I think great that's that, that's that is that's do you know what it's I think it's so so important to have like that sort of idea in your head and um I don't think mine is as, as formulated as yours but certainly I've got sort of ideas and I think it's really important you know when I speak to clients and I'm like you know where do you want to be oh I want to earn 10 grand a month you're like yeah but why why yeah what for like what will we spend it what lifestyle is that is that giving you and actually what what, what gives you the most pleasure in your life and and that should be what you you take you uh you know attain to do which is what you're, you're you're talking about which i think is great and if there's if there's a lesson to be learned from this this podcast is is that isn't it really um which kind of brings me quite nicely to to concluding and 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 sort of asking you elaine uh, if people want to reach out to you ask you a little bit more about your yoga retreats or um even if they're if they're an aspiring estate agent they need your help on that or they're looking for some help in sourcing properties what's the best way of them reaching out and getting in touch with you uh, you can find me on my Instagram. My handle is Elaine underscore property queen. Don't ask me why I chose that. I did it years ago. And I don't want to change it now. I'm too nervous to change it. Or uh, I've got a website, which is elainebradbury.co.uk. And I named it after myself so I can be accountable so that I can't disappear anywhere. Nobody knows what I'm up to. I'm not hiding behind anything. It's just my name. Not, well, maybe a bit for ego, but accountability. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes so people can Thank click you. on those nice and easy. But I did warn you about this, um, Elaine. So hopefully you've got a really good answer for us. But um, as I said, before I let you go, I need to ask you the most important question, which is my chocolate question. I would lovely, love to know what uh, my uh, guest's favourite chocolate is. So over to you, Elaine. Give us something good. Uh, it's a flake, a Cadbury's flake. Bit basic, nice. but... When I was younger, it was the advert, it, you know, the bird eating the girl eating the flake in the bath. That's what won me. And I was like, this is like glamorous, decadent chocolate. Obviously, as a grown up, I know it's not as glamorous and decadent as it was marketed to be, but I was hooked on them. So I do like a flake every now and again. <laughs> Do you know that that is just like if, if anyone's listening to this that's in like marketing or advertising, that is just like the perfect thing. Sell the dream. That yeah. dream the dream yeah. was not that this chocolate tastes good. Because let's be honest, a flake tastes the same as every other sort of um Cadbury chocolate. Yeah. Because it's just Cadbury chocolate. But the fact that that, you know, really attractive woman was yeah. sitting in sitting in that bath you know she, just out, with, she had a glass of wine she's had yeah. a really hard day smashing it in the property world <laughs> all the kids are in bed and that's it she's winning in life yeah. and, and you it. just think if i sit in a bath with with a flake i am that person i've just, i've i've got that life yeah 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 and i don't even know how long ago the advertising campaign was out but you might uh, be showing yeah. your age Jill, and i think it was like <laughs> 80s potentially <laughs> So. It's stuck with me. It's actually literally worked, hasn't it? It's like, oh my god! And if anybody gets me an Easter egg, like if it's not a flake Easter egg, I'm like, mm, thanks. I have, like, to, oh, I have to remember you know, that. Buy you really fancy chocolate, and I'm like, yeah, that's really nice. But do you know, a flake would have worked just as well. 
I know. I, I'm 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 not a snob when it when it comes to chocolate because I will I will eat anything. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I do get that the sim the simple stuff is nice. I don't yeah. need I don't need something. Like, uh, clients sometimes will send me like a bottle of wine or something to say say thanks, and sometimes they're really posh bottles of wine. I'm thinking. Yeah, do you know what? You could have just bought me like a box, uh, like a, a bag of dairy milk buttons, and I would have been well happy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, you should start, you should tell people that they they they're wasting the money. Yeah, like, bit, I feel like I, I like have like a wish list on Amazon or something. Like yeah, if, if you want to buy me a present, yeah, just just go on here. Chocolate buttons. Yeah, I'll have the wine. No, I'm fussy with wine. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, but chocolate and wine, alright. Good. I'll, I'll remember that. If I ever need to send you anything, flakes, there, there, <laughs> yeah. there we go. Just don't eat it in the bath, though. Don't actually do that because then no, all the bits no. get in the bath, they melt, and then you just come out looking like a Dalmatian. So Honestly, normally, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not that glamorous. I'll be lucky if I get a bite and then I put it down and then I go back to my cold cup of tea and then somebody <laughs> five years old has slobbered the rest of the chocolate, you know what I mean? Or I can leave them in the cupboard for like emergencies. And on that emergency, when I really want it i go and there's none there joe on that that point i'll a follow-up question chocolate does it go in the fridge or in the cupboard because in the cupboard it's like cheese you don't want it too cold you want it at room temperature well done we can be friends congratulations and <laughs> um, so too many times the answer is fridge or even recently i've had freezer why would you put chocolate in the freezer uh, it's just it's just just crazy stuff crazy stuff no. but oh, i'm God. glad I'm glad, I'm glad. It's only we're... Cadbury's, we're talking about it like it's like the best chocolate in the world and needs to be cherished. But... Hey, it is the best chocolate in the world. Eat Cadbury's out of the freezer if you want, if that's your bag, whatever for gold. Yeah, no, I'm with you though, out, straight out of the cupboard, room temperature. But um, Elaine, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really do appreciate your time because I know you're busy. It might not look like it because there's no one sitting there behind you in your office, but I know you've got a ton of stuff on your plate. So yeah, really, really I appreciate your time. That's all right. Don't worry. I'd love to speak to you, Sam. Thank you so much for chatting to me and being so kind. One of the things <laughs> that I really, really love about the stuff that you do is it, it just speaks to me because it sounds you're just so normal and nice and you make sense of stuff. Like I can watch videos on I remember when I was learning about like what is a bridging? They're like, what's bridging? What are people talking about? And I was like, oh, and I had to pause it, write it down, Google it, pause it, write it down, Google it. And it's just like you you just talk sense and you're really relatable. So thank you so much for doing what you do because I know loads of people really enjoy stuff that you put out there. Oh, thanks. That's nice. Nice way to to finish up. I don't usually get that. Usually I'm the one that's saying thank you, but um, but yeah, thank thank you very much for that means a lot but um cool well thanks a lot elaine i'll let you get back to your very very busy life and hopefully we'll catch up again very soon yes take care bye so there we have it the end of another awesome game of loans podcast episode but let me ask you a quick question did you enjoy the episode if so i would be so 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 grateful if you could hop on your platform of choice and give me a five star rating and even leave a little review it just helps me get this podcast out to more and more people and look if you enjoyed it maybe they they will too one other little favor is if you like not just listening but viewing your content head over to my youtube channel the link is in the show notes but if you want to hop over there straight away you can just search my name sam norris the property investors broker and you will find the channel hope to see you over there soon cheers